0: Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just going to bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. Get me back. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy... Five years ago, Stephen King and George Romero, two masters of the macabre, created their hallmark of horror, Creepshow. Many would argue that nothing of significance has happened since. Until now. Maybe you don't get out much. Oh, this is crazy. This is totally crazy. Maybe you're always running late. I gotta go. Or maybe you just have other things on your mind. They gotta make me a movie star. But if you only make it to one scary film all year, make it one you remember all year long. (laughs) Creepshow two. If you like movies that will keep you stuck to your chair. Stephen King and George Romero have conjured up an all-new creep show. It's no, impossible! Just for you. And what is it? I don't I don't I don't know. So don't just sit there. Whoa. I'm gonna swim for it right now. Walk. Oh. Run. Swim if you have to. I got you! Oh.
1: Hey folks, welcome to Cinema Degeneration. This is something special we're doing this month. This is an all George Romero appreciation month because well, do we really need a reason? There is no reason because George Romero is just awesome. And if you don't think so, well, then this is not going to be the show for you because we are going to be celebrating his legacy here all month long. This is the first show we're doing. We're going to be reviewing Creep Show 2 from 1987. He, although George did not direct this piece, he did produce and he did uh, write the screenplay. So it technically counts. And my co host is a longtime friend of mine and co conspirator, I guess you could say, of sorts, the lost bastard himself, Scott Tepperman. How you doing this evening?
2: What's up, man? How you doing? Uh,
1: pretty good, pretty good. You know, surviving pandemic, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's why we're doing these show, shows because we got hours to fill and the hands are idle. <laughs>
2: yeah, be be sane, stay sane, and keep it yeah, together.
1: I, <laughs> yeah, you know when you when you don't leave the house, but like twice a week week, you know it's just like gotta gotta have something to do, something to keep them hands busy. So yeah. you know, record, edit, record, edit. And that's <laughs> been my life for the last six months. But hey, I'm having fun with it, you know, and that's why I decided to do this. I wanted to do something a little different than, you know, my usual The the Grindhouse Pizzeria show or the one you were on, Old Not Obsolete, or Howling at the Full Moon. I wanted to do something different for the month of November. Some of those shows will still release. We'll still have a Grindhouse Pizzeria segment and a uh, Howling at the Full Moon segment as well. But the the month of December is going to be almost strictly george romero related and like i said you know don't need a reason i just decided it, it was you know and, and it's not george romero appreciation month anywhere else but it is here <laughs> now exactly. do you now do you remember the first time you saw creep show 2 and, and did you see it in sequence did you see creep show 1 first
2: no i saw creep show 2 first i saw creep show 2 first and i saw it pretty much right when it came out i i um I remember seeing the uh I mean I'm looking at them right now. I have all the you know the, the, the VHS ones in front of me. The the original creep show clamshell I have and then I have Wait, the wait a
1: minute. You you, you have creep show one
2: and two on VHS? <laughs> you <laughs> what a, what a trick you know. <laughs>
1: But <laughs> how many, How many copies but, of it? How many copies yeah, do you well, guys?
2: Actually it? I have I have a, a slip of creep show and then a, a clamshell of creep show and then I have a slip of creep show two. Um and then you know, have DVDs and, and whatnot at them. So yeah. <laughs> nice, but, nice. Not 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 overdone too much. But no, um the so I always saw a creep show on the, on the shelves in a video store. And to be honest, <clears throat> I just knew the names and like, you know, um all the names that they would tout, like Stephen King and George Romero, and I I got very um by the face of the the the, the creep on the cover, yeah. uh, especially being young, he really scared me. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I'm not going to watch that. Coupled with those names who I, I liked at the time, but something about it, the first one, it just creeped me out. I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to check it out at this point. You know, I was I was young when I first saw that. So I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to pass it. Um, but Creepshow 2 came out, and um, <clears throat> I think it piqued my interest big time. I was like, okay, what is... Um, what is this stuff all about? And I flipped it over, and the I don't remember offhand. Well, actually, I do have the DVD right here, but um, yeah. See, the DVD is tame. the The VHS on the back, it's very, very bloody, and uh, you know, aside from the creep being creepy, <laughs> um, the I still love blood and guts and gore and all that stuff. So the back of this cover. Was um was very eye catching to me, much like the original Truth or Dare, Critical Madness, the VHS of that was very bloody and creepy and <clears throat> you know um enticing to me as well. So I'm like, let me just check out
1: all sorts of uh, carnage. Yeah, you know? exactly.
2: Yeah, so I was like, let me just check out this film. So I rented it, and again, back then, God bless the video stores. They didn't give it. They didn't give a damn what you rented, <laughs> if how old you were. They're just like, here's you know, here's. 99 cents or 199 or 299 give us that here's the movie have fun kid go watch faces of death with your nine-year-old self like they didn't they did not care (laughs) they just didn't care um so and i popped creep show 2 in and uh it's it's history from there
1: (laughs) you know what i remembered were the what especially from as opposed to uh creep show one was the the creep the creep was actually, you know, kind of inanimate in the first movie, you know, and didn't really, you know, interact with anybody. But in this one, you know, we were treated to Tom Savini and, you know, his rubber mask and makeup at the beginning. Very being very grandiose and whatnot, you know, with his movements, it felt very, you know, like Merlin from Excalibur, you know, just movements and whatnot. And, you know, I love the shot, you know, the opening shot when the the truck is rolling through town and the kid is rolling behind it on the bike like pedaling after it and he tosses the the little cachet of comics out the back and then leaps right. out the back and turn and becomes animated right it turns into a cartoon i love that and i still love it the animation you know let's face it animation has made leaps and bounds uh and advances over the years but there's something about that old school anime that just it, it felt very comic booky
2: there there is and and um I, I i i yeah i guess that is what they're going for at the time i didn't realize the um you know i didn't really know much about creep show i didn't know much about the you know the old the history of all those types of magazines in the, in the past and how creep show the original was like harkening back to all that and everything else so i never really understood that when i first saw creep show 2 and when i first saw creep show 2 um like you, I, I thought Savini was cool. I knew right away who that was. You know, I was a fan of all those films, um, all right. but um, <clears throat> I knew uh, and I liked all that and I thought it was cool. I thought the animation was horrendous um, and I and I, I it actually yeah. annoyed me. I thought that was the, 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 the weak part of the film when I first saw it. And then when I saw Creepshow and I started understanding the whole mythology behind Creepshow and the how long running that whole concept was and everything else. Um, and how it was very comic book-y and how it was everything else. I just thought it was comic book transitions from segment to segment, and I didn't realize really, I I didn't get exactly what they were trying to do, and it kind of took me out almost, uh, out of it, because I was like, I think the story was dumb, I thought the animation was really dumb, but then I realized that it was all surreal, it was all tongue-in-cheek, it was supposed to be like that. And then I started appreciating that light a lot more, and I, I started looking forward to that you know, linking all the segments together and it all coming together at the end and uh, making a big cohesive uh, story. So I kind of appreciate it because you had the live action, you had the creep stuff, you had the 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 comic uh, cartoon stuff all tied in to to each other. And I just thought at first it just seemed out of place. it seemed whatever. Um, but no, and then I, you know after after seeing Creep show after Creep show Two because I like Creep show Two so much. Then I started understanding Creepshow 2 more after I saw Part 1. Like, it went backwards, but when I saw 1, it added to 2 for me, which, I, Cameron, you know, you and I have a similar taste in movies, but, you, you know, everyone says I have taste in my ass and, and, and my... You know, my, my sensibilities with movies kind of are kind of skewed sometimes because usually,
1: <laughs> yeah, usually you have been said about me, too. As well,
2: well, yeah, exactly. But usually you have a, uh, a movie comes out and then the sequel comes out. And people always say the sequel cheapens the original. I think the complete opposite. I think a lot of times, uh, especially if I see him out of order, I think that the original enhances the sequel. And then sometimes I I even think sequels enhance the original films as well. But this was this was the case where I actually saw it backwards and it it had a a positive effect for me.
1: Well, you know, it's not often that I've encountered it, you know, movies like that. You know, I usually almost always have seen them in order. And it's funny, like, you know, two totally different kind of movies. But I saw Hatchet 2 before I saw Hatchet 1. Right. Just because I just happened to have it. And I, I was just like gonna watch it i'm like what was this all about you know and i'd heard about it and just you know didn't quite see what everybody else was seeing so then i right. went back you know and watched the first one i'm like oh like right. now i get it now right. this makes sense you, that's why you know even though uh i'm <laughs> i'm actually starting another podcast but where we what where we're going to be watching uh sequels and watching them out of out of sequence just <laughs> nice. just mind to, just to mind fuck people would like going to start off with like you know part 6 of a franchise and then move to part 3 <laughs> you know which is totally not the way to do it but like
2: but you know. but, but creep show is different though i mean there's there's other than the title there there's even the creep itself there's very little to link the movies together there is i mean there's other than it be called other than calling it creep show and creep show 2 there's really no connection. There's no continuity because the creep is so different, and the the whole universe and the whole world is essentially different. I mean, I understand the beginning of creep show with the with the comic and then the you know it appealing to the kid, enjoying the kid and other than that, it there's really no connection. so I, I I don't necessarily know if it does hurt to to watch these out of sequence, except for the fact that uh, unlike myself, of course, um people always say creep show is the best of the batch anyway so you know maybe that's the only thing that may be a hindrance to people is if you don't see the best one first you may not be inclined to want to see it although i, yeah. I don't think creep show is the best one of the f- franchise but that's my opinion
1: see like i, I would I, I would agree to disagree i i think the creep creep show 1 is the better movie but it's by a narrow margin you right. know it, it, they're both stellar films in their own on their own right uh, I think, you know, just a, a few things about the original, you know, that that were just a notch above for me. You know, I had Tom Atkins. Right. I had Savini yeah. in a more prominent role. Uh, I, I, I love the Crate uh, episode. I love how Holbrook. I love, you know, Adrian Barbeau. Right. You know, uh, Leslie Nielsen really sold it for me. That that was just <laughs> such a creepy take. You know, he, he sells he sells it. Really, you could just watch that sequence and be and be good to go. You can, you know. But let, let's let's get into like the meat and potatoes of the film. Uh, it's directed yeah. by Michael Gornick and uh who also was a DP on uh Dawn of oh, the Dead, yep. Creep Show, uh Night Riders, Martin, uh, I think a couple others, I can't remember, but those are just off the top of my head. Right. But you know, produced by uh Richard Rubinstein, who produced almost all of Romero's right. stuff. Right, I mean exactly. virtually everything, everything up until the later couple of years. You know, so it's uh you know it's got everything that we want and need. It's got you know Stephen King r- writing it, Romero writing it and producing it, you got Gornick, you know, directing, Rubenstein producing, it's everything that was that felt right about 80s horror. Right. And you know, a- after you get past, you know, Mr. Impatient Billy, who quit quickly turned into anime uh with the creep segments, we get in our first uh story, Old Chief Woodenhead. Right now, My first note about this particular because there's only three stories in this one. Uh they're three more elongated stories. They're not like 15-20-minute segments, they're good full half-hour, 35-minute, you know, pieces. Which you know is is the only thing that's a detriment to to part two is I wish you know I knew about the other stories that they were gonna do about the evil bowling league. There was the one about the cat from hell that they ended up using for Tales from the Dark Side. So we still essentially got to see one of them. But, like, you know, it would have been nice to see four or five stories, but the, the three stories that they do show us are much meatier.
2: But yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I agree. Um, and, and just to, I know this is not about Creep Show, it's Creep Show 2. But in, in my opinion, I think Creep Show is great. Um, the first one, uh, but my whole, <clears throat> excuse me, my whole complaint about the first movie, <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me, I actually agree with you, With um, in, in, the cast, the production values, everything was amazing. I did like the five stories. I liked how they ranged in length from you know short to long, and everything else. The problem that I had with Creep Show, the only problem is that I, I thought it was wildly uneven from beginning to end. I mean, when, when I watch Creep Show <laughs> yeah. 2, when I watched Creep Show 2, I, th- I feel that every one of those segments is pretty much on par with each other. Um, and it made for a more even viewing throughout, and I appreciated that. And they were very, very different, but I think quality-wise, entertainment-wise, and um, even maybe depth-wise or length-wise, they pretty much were right on point with each other. And it, it seemed to it seemed to flow better for me.
1: I, I could see that. I could see your point there. You know, they do seem to reflect off each other well. You know, one yeah. en- kind of enhances the other. Right. But our first one, you know, old chief wouldn't have the the, the f- first note I have was the the old couple the Spruces they right. get hosed. they totally get hosed. I mean like they're you know the gist of the story is that they're in a dying town in the middle of the desert with a general store for those of you who haven't seen the movie, but if you haven't seen the movie, please pause the podcast right now. please I implore you, go watch Creep Show 2
2: and then right. come back. But you know the spruces, again,
1: they get hosed. They're they're taking care of this town that's dying. You know, as I think they say it has been four days since they've had a cash-paying customer, a, a month since they've had someone pay on, on a credit account. So you know, they're they're just hemorrhaging money. And uh, Benjamin White Moon, uh, someone from the Indian reservation, brings <laughs> brings them a payment, but it, and essentially he brings them nothing but trouble. You know, he brings him uh, this cachet of jewels that, you know, from his tribe. Each member of the tribe had given up, you know, a priceless family heirloom, you know, some type of jewelry. And it's like, you know, hey, if if I can't pay you back in two years, you know, it's yours forever. And then what happens literally like. And, and here's where the one inconsistency I, I think happens. They're outside on the front porch and they're just kind of like, oh, they're going to give this town a little bit more time. You know, it'll come back to life. They turn around, go back into their store and there's Sam White Moon, the uh, nephew of Benjamin White Moon, who is, you know, he's got this gorgeous mane of, of black hair that, that he is just completely, uh, I guess the best word to describe it is vain about because he thinks a he's little just vain. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, because he's like, this hair is going to get me paid and laid. I'm going to go to Hollywood and they're going to take one look at me and they're going to put me in front of the cameras like, oh, buddy, you really have well, no idea how this works. Right. Okay. <laughs> like there's there's one hundred thousand other guys just like you going into, into Hollywood. But, you know, I thought that part was funny. But the, there's the one inconsistency when they go from outside it's daytime. The minute they go back inside the store, it's instantly night i <laughs> don't you know if you caught that that was just like there was no like yeah the sun's starting to go down it's starting to get dark out no it was midday because the sun was shining benjamin white moon's car was overheating because it was sitting out in the sun for so long but it instantly goes to nighttime. i had to make a note of that I'd something i never noticed before as many times as i watched it so
2: but then to a point though i mean you know even if there's no which was more noticeable in the first film because i think they they focused on the the comic element throughout you know the second one basically had comic um little cartoon and comics introducing you know branching one segment into the other but in creep show in the original you had um you know it was almost, almost like batman you had like you know graphics popping up on the screen dissolves transitions whatever of a very comicky playful nature this second one didn't really have that but um, and then maybe it very well was a, a glitch maybe I'm you know being a little too forgiving with the, the second movie with the continuity <laughs> but um, there were a lot of those little things in the first film like it was just just just, oh, yeah. just cool enough just convenient enough to make it surreal and comic booky and whatever so may, maybe they were doing that with this one the only reason I, I would maybe give them the benefit of the doubt is because of the fact that they um that first segment with the the Indian old chief woodenhead is um it's star powered, and they did that on par- purpose obviously a nod to the first one because the first one had so many people in it. this one it was like, you know what let's start off strong with two very established veteran Hollywood actors, and uh we'll just run with it so maybe that was a nod to it. I don't know maybe it was the the quirky nature the the surreal nature that they were going for um It could have very well have been a continuity. I know, you know, Creepshow Two definitely had some issues getting to the screen, so maybe there certainly were issues. um, Well, I kind of thought, you know, like maybe it
1: was like almost like almost signifying that darkness was settling in, like you know, by saying White Moon being in the store, like this was the darkness coming, right? Because he he is just a dark cloud. Because uh, Dorothy Dorothy Lemur and george kennedy like you said are like two very well established actors and i mm-hmm. do believe that this was dorothy's last film i think as, it was yeah Is it's martha spruce and george kennedy got he's been in so much just before dawn uh right. the naked gun series and i could right. go on and, you
0: right. know
1: but he basically you know him and his gang uh you know fat stuff or fatso and <laughs> uh i forgot uh, the other guys name, Kavanaugh. You Know the guy with the with the golden uh trans am, you yeah, yeah. they're just crashing his store, and they're like, they had already, you know, you get through the story that they'd already been there before, they ripped the place off, you know. So, they, you know, he's basically threatening them with a shotgun, you know, either give me your money or I'm gonna, you know, kill you. He, he right. raids the cash register, they raid the, the whole store. They, there's even a little uh, a wink to the original creep show when they knock over a comic book rack, right? And right. I love, I love that, I love little stuff like
2: that, yeah, I do, the little Easter eggs.
1: Yes, but uh he, you know, he sends Kavanaugh out to go get the car and bring the car around the front. Fat stuff is still, you know, stealing Oreo cookies and bubble gum and, and you know, just being a total pig. And because that's what he is, he's he's just a total pig. Kavanaugh is just along for the ride. He's just a rich right. boy that just right. had the fall the wrong crowd. But. You know sam white moon tells him hey i want that that bag of jewels that my uncle gave you and of course you know george kennedy you know is ray spruce is like no i'm not going to give it to you i can't do that he's right. like do it i'm going to sh- i'm going to kill your old lady and blow her in half and that's exactly what he does yeah. he, sh- he you know he shotguns her right in half now this is a note that i meant uh that i made like i don't know if sam really meant to shoot martha because I think it was a matter of now, like having watched it for a couple of years in Washington here just recently, at least maybe it was just in the actor's reaction to it. Holt McKinley is just a great actor. He, you know, uh, he's on Mine hunters. He's uh, was on fight club and many others. He's a great working actor, but his reaction when he shoots Martha is one, of shock. I think in the struggle, he accidentally pulled the trigger. I, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like, like Sam White Moon, you know, for all his bravado, probably didn't mean to shoot them.
2: But once uh, he accidentally
1: that... shot Martha, he had to shoot Ray.
2: Right, I don't think he meant to, but I don't think given by his um, his uh, subsequent actions and, and reactions to stuff, I don't think he cared. I think it was just a shock that no. a gun went off. He's like, oh, okay, well, next, okay, this is what I have to do now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he. I don't think he...
0: He, he adapted he very well. That, he certainly wasn't...
2: Yeah, he certainly was like, oh, well, whatever, I'll get over it. Because he right. he was just all about himself, and he was very – um. I mean, he was evil. <laughs> from the, oh, from the, the get-go, he arms. was evil and everything. So, yeah, I mean, there's no – he had no qualms about doing what he did, but I don't think – I think the gun did go off and catch him off guard, but he was like, oh, well, this is how it goes now.
1: Yeah, he's like, well, now this is just where we're at. This is what exactly. we got to do. Right. I made i got to mess a beat I make it. good yeah. on it. Exactly. That's when you know they make an exit in Old Chief Woodenhead, which is an old – Wooden Indian on the front of the store that uh, Ray Spruce was like painting up his war paint, and there's a moment that Benjamin White Moon, you know, says hello and goodbye to the old chief, and the old chief kind of moves a little bit, yep, you know, yep. just just ever so slightly, and you know, I think yep. Benjamin White Moon was just like, you know, I I'm not quite sure what I'm seeing here, but I know I'm seeing something else that I'm not, you know, <laughs> that I'm not right. supposed to. So you get the idea that Old Chief Woodenhead might have a little life left in him.
2: But, you know, well, I, I think the, the one of the things that um, that I hear often with Creepshow 2, I don't hear much about Creepshow 2 in general. That's why when you when you spoke to me about doing George Romero, that was pretty much one of the first movies that, that jumped up to me. It was like, hey, Creepshow 2. Um, but one of the things I do hear when I do hear anything about Creepshow 2 is the fact that <clears throat> everyone usually dismisses the first segment. Um, as being the weakest or the dumbest or whatever and I don't think first of all I think it's a really strong segment and I do think it's it's Me uh if, if if I had to rank them at all I think that would be just slightly the un, under the two but very equal with the the other two just just the, not quite as great as them um but I, I don't think people appreciate the uh and this is you know fine this was a the height of a lot of the effects and obviously Tom Savini was on set. So, you know, there, there, nothing happened by accident there. Even if he, um, even, even if he does a film where he's never credited for effects, you know, damn well, he's got his hands in the effects. He's like, Hey, you may want to do this. You may want to do that. But he was so (laughs) prominently, so prominently involved with creep show too. Um, I, I don't think people realize how good the, makeup or, and, or effects work were, was done on the, the Indian, on old chief Woodenhead. it, it, the, the, sounds, the movement, the, the um, just the look of the entire massive foreboding figure is just, he looks fantastic. And to this day, he looks great. He looks, it, yes, it looks a little cheesy. It looks whatever, but he's supposed to, he's a wooden Indian. What is he supposed to, you know, run around like a crazy person? Like, I, I just think he looks really, really good. And I don't think that no, ever gets enough to talk
1: about. You know, but his movements and the sound add to the, yeah. the layers of the. It's like a layer in an onion, you know, this. Yeah, it totally is. So,
2: <clears throat>
1: but yeah, I agree. I think the effects still hold up pretty well. And for 1987, you got to think that this right. is, you know, 23 years old, you know, right. effects, you know, exact. Every 23 years, stuff that is made now is not going to look as good as it could be 20, 25 mm-hmm. years from now. You man, gotta look it at it. 30,
2: Thirty. What was it? Thirty-three years. It's old.
1: Or oh, thirty-three years. Yeah, not You're twenty-three. Old years. God, Cameron. Yeah, I was that was... Oh
2: god, <laughs> I'm really old.
1: I was trying. I was trying to give us an extra fucking decade there, man. <laughs> we're not really that old. No, nah, okay. we're not. So it's old that's
2: it. Ah, uh, so getting back. But it to does, this does look really good, though. I like not... every time. Every time I watch, you know modern movies or just other movies in general, other horror movies or effects heavy movies. I still am every time I pop creep show two on, I'm, I'm still in awe of how, how unique that looks. I don't, I have not seen anything look like that since or after or before, or it just looks like it's its own thing. And I don't know what exactly they did, but it, it, it looks great and it should get more credit.
1: Oh, definitely. I've heard a lot of people knock it and saying how cheesy it looks, but,
2: I have, I, to, I have
1: to agree to disagree with that right. one 100%. What, I, what i what i do think also holds up are the kills because oh, one yeah, by one fine. old chief Woodenhead takes out uh, sam's crew by taking out fatso first you know they're all supposed to be going back you know this as the story goes they're all supposed to go back to their house their various houses pack up their shit kavanaugh's gonna you know get his car and get his things and meet everybody and pick them up in the trans am well fatso is watching uh Oh God! what What's the old uh, the the uh, Cisco kid or no? Yeah, the Cisco kid. Uh, they're yeah. they're watching, and he's just you know being the pig as he usually is. You know, drinking some beer and eating some Twinkies, and he gets three arrows through him. And yeah. I think it bears mentioning that old Chief Woodenhead. Uh, I noticed in his quiver on his back only had three arrows, but he used yep. all three on him. Yeah. He uses a different weapon on each person. He uses three arrows on um, on Fatso. When he gets to Kavanaugh after he smashes up, that's the, the biggest travesty of this movie, is <laughs> the car. smashing up of that car. I hate seeing them <laughs> smash up a, a, an old classic car. And It's just like, why? Well, I know it was wrote in the script, but why'd you have to do it, you know? <laughs> but, you know, Kavanaugh gets the tomahawk to the head. And then you know, and I got, I made a note here. Are Kavanaugh's parents supposed to be deaf because they didn't hear shit? They didn't, you know, like it was right around the corner from them. You know, the the, the cars getting smashed up in the, in the garage. Their son's getting hacked up with a you know a, a hatchet, a tomahawk. You know, and but they don't hear anything. Like, I like
2: not- honestly, Cameron. It sounds like I'm making excuses, but I I've, I really believe that if it was anything but a film in a creep show universe where everything is totally tongue in cheek. Um, oh, yeah. Then, I, then I would think it was just uh, you know a, a fault of the bad plotting or bad writing, and and I don't feel that. I just feel like cool everything not. is is very um, surreal. The whole thing is surreal. The whole thing is is uh, playful and surreal and silly and goofy and wild and unbelievable. And they they I just think that you just accept that it's creep show universe. Right. You just accept I know,
1: that. This just makes me laugh. It's just like. Uh... You know their sons getting hacked up, and they're just like
2: <laughs> the Cisco Kid, right? You know? Right.
1: Uh, and then you know we get um, the the final kill. We get S- Sam's. You know gets uh, scalped. You know yeah. the wooden head shows up, and takes his precious fucking hair, and you know, and like again, like each kill is different. You know, you got the arrows, you got the tomahawk, and then he uses his knife, <clears throat> and then Benjamin White Moon wakes up the next morning. The jewels are just sitting there magically underneath his hand, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Chief Woodenhead, and like snuck in in the night and gave him back. And when <laughs> Benjamin White Moon goes back to the general store, there's old Chief Woodenhead holding the scalp, just yep. sitting there proudly, war paint still fresh, and mm-hmm. it's so creepy. I love how Benjamin White Moon is like, you know, I bid you peace. You know, may your spirit rest
2: in peace. <clears throat> you know, I really but, feel. But like- if you, you know, what's one thing that's interesting is I've actually done this before. Watch the very beginning, the first time you see um, the statue in the beginning. And in very, when you see it at the end, and he you know, goes out and talks to him, there's, a, there's more of a, there's a there's, it looks, he looks more at rest. In the opening, he looks a little more weathered, a little more bothered. And at the end, he almost looks like he's happy. And, and there's yeah. a subtlety, but there really is a difference. I'm not just reading into oh, it. Trust totally me, if you go that. check it out, it's wild.
1: Oh, yeah, I totally noticed that because yeah. it means just the way he, you know, before it was almost like his shoulders were kind of hunched over. Right.
2: Like more and proud and more just more at peace and more relaxed and more healthier in a yeah, better place.
1: Exactly. Wild. I, I, feel, I really feel like this is <laughs> the one segment of the three. Now, it's not my favorite segment. We'll get into my favorite segment later. But I feel like this is the the one segment that could have been a full length feature, right? That I I always hear people say, "Oh, you know, this short is so good; it could have been a full length feature." Lots of times, a short is good just as a short. But this one, I I truly believe, like this could have could have and would have been a great feature. But I'll leave
2: it at that. I I I think that um this film, uh, aside from the first one, and again, I keep sounding like I'm bashing the first one. I'm not. I love the first movie. Um, but I think unlike the first film. I do think that every segment in this film could have been a feature very easily. Uh, and maybe that's because of the fact that we were talking earlier that they are more, all of them are more fleshed out because of the, uh, the, you know, there's less of them. So they get more screen time, but maybe that really does lend itself to, uh, being more favorable for being a full feature because you can see how it's playing out as it is. You could have added a few more kills, a couple of, um, you know talking scenes maybe a little tna scene or whatever and you would have had a full feature just on the the first segment alone very easily
1: yeah i mean because i got to spend a little time getting to know the spruces getting to new, know the white moons you know and everything right. and, and pounding that story home it could could have been a feature but it was really good but that is right. the, the end of the first segment, sure. and then we get into another creeper segment sec- or another creep segment where he's uh you know I, I love uh the little line he has that was quite a p- price for sam white moon to pay yeah. Yeah. to pay yeah like <laughs> wink wink like you see what i'm doing there yeah i, I love exactly. that i love that kind of humor
2: yeah exactly and and if i can bring up the last thing what i what i really like some, too is how you things. said every how you said everything was um he was killing everybody in different ways um aside from him just scalping uh, aside from the final scene Just uh, being a scalp uh, you know, The final kill being a scalping It was more symbolic because uh, And I'm going to butcher the name But I think it was Samson uh, From back in the day um, But Samson, the power to Samson Was his hair um, And so he was not only scalping him He was robbing him of his power Physically and emotionally And spiritually and everything And oh, I yeah. think that was very symbolic And I, I really liked how that all came to fruition at the end
1: well, I mean, even Sam White Moon tells the story of a movie that he saw about a guy that had all the special powers because of his hair. Right, and some, exactly. But he cut it off and he became weak like an ordinary guy. But in this case, yep. I don't think he became weak. I think he became very dead. Right. <laughs> exactly. And he deserved it. Sam got what he was had coming to him. And I did <laughs> no, notice that right as uh, Old Chief Woodenhead was going to come down with the knife to uh, scalp him. They had the psycho music on there for a couple of seconds, for a couple of beasts, you know, the re, re, re,
2: re. That's I nice. Never I never noticed that. that that's nice. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Like I had to rewind it like a couple of times. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they're totally using the psycho riff. But nice. yeah, very good, solid start. And speaking of solid, we get another scene with Billy. He's ordering some, he ordered some Venus flytrap bulbs. <laughs> he put him because they eat meat. And the kid in the, the, the postmaster is just like, ah, you know, they're probably just petunia bull. And you're like, oh, I don't think so, sir. <laughs> and then he's just kind of riding away with his package on the bike and, you know, thinking everything's going to be A-OK. And we go into our second segment. And I, I, you know, by process of elimination, one segment, you know, if you rate them, has to be your favorite and one has to be your least favorite. Right. This one just is my least favorite. Really? And based off of, I mean, it's just it's based off a short story by Stephen King. It's sh- to me technically should be the best one, but right. it, it's just, it doesn't hold up. You know, uh, I don't care about any of the characters. <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't help it. Like the one character I really like is Deke, you know, and usually right. the the alpha, the alpha male type, you know, the, the football jock is not the character that I'm like, Hey, that that's my guy. Usually it's, you know, the punk rocker, or the stoner dudes, or, or you know, the film geeks, nerds, you know, those are my types But You know, I I just didn't care about any of these people. I I was just like, okay, they're fodder. This episode, the raft is basically a a slasher film. Instead of going out to a cabin out in the woods, they're going out to, you know, a, a raft out on a lake that, you know, the main character, sort of main character of the story, Randy had seen on a geological expedition from school. But, you know, They swim out to it and he immediately, you know, him and his girlfriend and then uh, Rachel and then uh, Deke and his girlfriend Laverne. And there's already a kind of a weird thing going on where Randy kind of has like a little subtle ways that he's showing that he's more into Deke's girlfriend than he is into his own girlfriend, which is, I think, just kind of a a shit dick move. (laughs) You know, this is a dick move. I mean, he's like caressing her shoulder like and his hand is like six inches away from his girlfriend's face. And she's even looking at him like dick, right. you, know, you know, like it's, it's just hard to care about the main character when he's such a douche.
2: <laughs>
1: but as yes, they swim, swim to the raft. They notice something's up. There's a, there's a duck, you know, wallowing in, in the water. There's something that basically, as they keep saying, it looks like an oil slick. But the problem is that the oil slick starts moving in their direction. The minute it sees them come and swimming towards the raft and it's, doesn't take very long you know i mean once they they get there they, they leave you know the one thing that i think <laughs> i want to know what kind of battery they used in that camaro because that camaro lasted like a day and a half with the right. radio and, and the radio did not go that that must have been a, a special edition diehard i want that battery <laughs> in my car that would get yep. me through the winters but again it's essentially a slasher in a remote location is just move the cabin in the woods to a, you know a raft on the lake and the blob You know, that's what I just call it. The blob of the lake is just an oil slick with a purpose. You know, uh, it claims (laughs) Rachel first. It's almost like it's hypnotizing her, I I thought. You know, like she's looking at it and it kind of like she gets transfixed by it. So it's almost like I know in the story that the it's been some years, it's been 15, 20 years since I've read this short story. But that the thing did have a hypnotic power. They never quite can say that or, or, you know, expound upon that in the movie because there's no real way of doing it. But in, you know, the, the book that, that was the case was that it was drawing them in and it, you know, lures her in kind of jumps up and grabs her arm, pulls her right in. And within seconds it dissolves her. She kind of pops back up and it's so horrifying the way she just goes, it hurts. Oh my God, it hurts. And it's it's such a simple line, but it's chilling right and she's yeah, the it, one character that i feel like that i really feel sorry for because like she never got she never got a chance she never got a right. chance
2: well see and and what you were saying with when you had to pick a favorite or at least favorite segment just by by default um if this one had a little bit more meat to it it would have been my favorite um it had everything that um that i love about horror movies it had um it was nasty it was mean it had a big fuck you ending to it huge fuck you ending which was great um it was very um it was atmospheric i like when things are um some of the favorite horror movies that i have is just basically take people lock them into a into a enclosed location and kill them off and that's what they do essentially here they they trap them on this floating tiny little raft and Whatever they mean to do, you know, such um, minimal execution here. It's so simple and it's so effective. Uh, I just, I love the slick. I love what it looks like. I love what it, how it looks like it's embodying evil or it's literally embodying everything it comes across. I like how you brought up the blob because remember the, surprisingly, it was interesting with the, the original blob, which is, you know, amazing, but... um you know that stuff it was just like a clear jelly and just it just kept getting redder and redder with more of the blood of the things that it killed which is disturbing and twisted but that's kind of what this uh this blob was this slick was and um i just think everything worked about this segment i just like you i I didn't really care about any of the characters um and i just i just wish it was really right and i just wish there was a little bit more meat to it because it totally would have been my favorite there just wasn't much to to hold on to, um I did like very it I, I liked I mean, it a lot bad, but
1: it's, it's very very simple
2: right i think I thought it was the the fact that its simplicity is I think what worked in its favor uh it just needed a little bit more plot, it just needed a little bit more of interest even interesting. Uh, dialogue or just something. Uh, I didn't mind how it was just there and it was over, you know, in general, there was no reason for it to be there. It was just (laughs) this weird thing there, um, which I liked, you know, you don't have to explain all that. That's cool. But just have a little bit more of interesting dialogue or a little more um, uh, depth and, and more substance to the plot some way either you know, have them driving there and, and building up the characters before they get there or having a little more uh, of interesting exchanges while they're on the raft or either make it make it more of a uh, a production uh, from them getting to the raft or swimming away from the raft or what, utilize the surroundings a little bit more. So I, I felt like it was great, but it had somewhat of a, a missed opportunity, which is the only reason why I kept it from being pretty much my favorite segment out of, the whole creep show franchise i mean i really really like this one
1: i, I love the creature effects i mean or the creature of effect you know right. it uh i remember reading it in Fangoria. somebody had uh did a review of it and said it looked like a glad uh trash bag thrown in the water <laughs> and i'm like it's i don't true. know what you were i don't know what you're watching and i'm like but i thought it looked a little bit A little might better than that, but...
2: I can see how they say that. If you get a dirty bag or throw dirt dirt on it or mud on it or leaves on it and float it around, I can totally see that. But it looked great. I mean, they think it looked great. You know, somebody will make a
1: a, a Wrath fan film and just, like, throw mud on a plastic bag and, like, float around in a mud puddle. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, this thing bumps people off one by one. I mean, it goes underneath the raft after getting Rachel and grabs Deke's leg and he's the <laughs> alpha male. If anybody's gonna make it, it's him. You know, he's the guy he's like, I'm gonna jump. I like I'm fast, I can make it. I got you gotta go while it's underneath the wrap. And then right yeah. like that, it's got his leg. And this stuff is like the, the blood from the alien and aliens from the xenomorphs. <laughs> it, it just instantly starts dissolving his leg and yeah. it's so horrible looking i mean it, it, yeah. it, it's it, I, I mean it's, it's good looking but it's disgusting it's I mean, just it, a
2: fun it's a fun segment all around i mean it, it just was uh
1: the, the effects in, in this one were what really sold it to me yeah like i said i, I still love it but like by process of elimination one of them's got to be your least favorite you know I, you know and but and just story wise is what doesn't sell this one what sells it is the effects and just how mean it is it's very and, mean. You know, yeah, because it pulls when it pulls deep down, his one leg goes in it, his other legs go straight up, and then it just breaks his back and breaks that leg till it's sticking straight up and pulls him down. And that look on his face when he's going he's dead before he even gets pulled all the way down. Right. Right, and exactly. and it's
2: so chilling. I thought he sold that really right. well. I, I honestly think the um the t- like overall with the creep show films they're they're um even with the third creep show movie which is as people debate that it's not really a creep show movie but it is it's a creep show movie um <laughs> by, and, and by I, name I, like, really i mean but. right by name only but i actually kind of like that one anyway but it is what All it is i'm the only person <laughs> in the <have a> <laughs> world but um i, I, yeah, think, I think
1: you that, are the i think that yeah, I, I enjoyed that. it i enjoyed it
2: no i enjoyed it I did enjoy, but the um, the thing with this the, this raft segment is the fact that if you look at every other segment in Creepshow, any of them, and I'm talking Creepshow one, two, and three, um, this is the only one that truly was not funny. It was played dead serious. It was very dark. This one, and it was definitely the mean, the most mean spirited one. Even the next one that we're just about to talk about, the next segment. As bloody and violent and whatever. That was a, a hoot, if you want to use that word. It was funny. Yeah. It was a blast. There was nothing scary about that. This one was actually very dark, very menacing, and very effective. I really liked the Raft. No, it, it definitely is
1: the darkest one because the only humor is maybe a little bit of banter between Randy and Deke,
2: you Very know, but, uh, as,
1: yes. as, like as they're getting high, you know, and smoking right. dope as they're, as they're on their way to but, the rest.
2: But just the whole premise of all the other ones have that that funny tongue in cheek edge to them. And this one just doesn't. It's, it's just yeah. mean. It's just a mean spirited segment.
1: But, and then mean spirit in this monster gets everybody. It it takes out, right. uh, it takes out, uh, Laverne because Randy's being an asshole and trying to cop a feel <laughs> like you're like the originator of the fucking me too movement. You know, it's like, Oh, my girlfriend's been killed. My, you know, my best friend's been killed. uh um, my his girlfriend's falling asleep in my arms. What am I going to do? I'm going to try to lay her down and cop a feel. What right. happens? the, Fucking blob comes up through the the thing in the lake or the in the pond comes up through the bottom, grabs her by the face. There's that total scene when she just turns around and and it just isn't felt their face and it's dragging her away, you know, from yep. them across the raft by the head. The yep. way she's screaming is so chilling. Her hair, you know, the way
2: her hair looks, the whole it was just very well done, you know,
1: like and she's turning slimy as the thing is kind of like you know, melting into her face and her face yep. is melting into it. But poor Randy thinks he's, he's got it made. So he jumps in the water and tries to swim to the edge of the lake and he makes it. And what does he do? He turns around two feet from the edge of the lake and he's like, you, I beat you. I beat you. And the thing just. Brilliant. Two feet away. It's two feet away. It's like, yep. man, you showboated a little too soon, dude. Yep. If you would have just kept running, you might've made it, but it gets them and it drags him back into the lake. It's and great. it's great. And then it, Burps. I, I, at least that, that's the, the I like what well, the noise that I think it makes. <laughs> I've heard people argue with me and say, "Nah, it's not burping. It was just making a noise." Well, the thing never made a noise before, but it ate four people. I think right. that was proper. Proper that it burped. And That <laughs> was really probably the only laugh. <laughs> Maybe. In, yeah. in short, but I love how when the camera pans past the lake, pans past the car
2: into the weeds, yeah. and there's the a yeah. sign that says. No swimming, swimming, yep, exactly. Brilliant. I mean, that was almost perfect. If it just had more substance to it, it would have just been amazing because I think it's fantastic. It just needed a little bit more, yeah. It, it would have it definitely elevated it some,
1: yeah. But then we got another creeper segment. We're before we get into our last chapter, we get into the, the third segment, the hitchhiker. Yeah. Uh, but Billy is kind of runs into a gang of what I kind of think was like the early version of the South Park kids because they're kind of led <laughs> by a like a big leather clad jean jacket wearing Cartman type with a couple <laughs> of Goombas that, you know, basically they're picking on, you know, comic book nerd Billy. They smash his Venus flytrap bulb, which uh, <laughs> Billy promptly kicks the bully right in the gonads for
2: it. Right. Yeah.
1: And uh, then past that, though, I mean, it's just them on a, a you know a, a track to chase he's, him down, yep, and the, the creepers and yeah, creepers in the truck, and he's like, "Ah, Billy knows his way around town. He'll be good." You know, we got one more, one more uh, time for one more story, and thank God they do because this is my favorite segment. This is, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I I've loved it ever since I was a kid, and. <laughs> We have, you know, Lois Childs is Annie Lansing, who was a, a Bond girl in Moonraker, you yep. know, and, and among other other things. But, you know, that, that, that was another bit of their star power was having a Bond girl in their movie. Right. But again, it just goes to prove you th- these are kind of like little slasher stories, because if you follow the the horror movie tropes, if you have premarital sex or cheat on your spouse or do drugs or smoke or drink. You're going to die. And what is she yep. doing? Oh, she's cheating on her husband with a male <laughs> escort. <laughs> exactly. Which I had to make a, another note. There was a, another uh, Easter egg as there's a bunch of Stephen King novels on his headboard. I did know.
2: It. I did notice that. I did notice that.
1: Yeah, I think it was like nightmares and D- dreamscapes and it. And there might have been a third one, but his head was blocking him. But I like that. That was a great. Nice. A great yeah. One. But, uh, you know she's realizing that she's overslept the alarm didn't go off because the power went out so she's you know trying to you know race to get home because her husband is always on time and never late and if she's late god darn it you know he's gonna know something was up because she's not home so she's speeding she's smoking she's she has this thing of like Andy lansing you know uh Winner of the 700-yard dash, you know, uh, 1979, is going to, like, try to do the impossible of making it 60 miles in 13 minutes or something crazy like that. And so what is she doing? She's not paying attention what she's doing when she's driving. She drops her cigarette, burns her upholstery, swerves in the road, and hits a hitchhiker. A poor guy just hitchhiking down the road with a sign that just said Dover. And... You know, she leaves the scene of the crime instead of, like, just, you know, taking care of the situation or checking to see if the guy was hurt or dead or what have you. She just takes off. She turns her headlights off and just, like, the best cameo, the best little role in the movie where Stephen King cameos (laughs) (laughs) as as the semi-truck driver which I thought was great. You know, it, Stephen King is not a great actor, but when you give him a little role like this to play and have it right. be something colorful like this is the crazy kind of, you know, truck driver, he's like, hey,
2: buddy, what the fuck happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's just great. And, ah, God, you know, I, I don't know where to go from from here. Everything about this episode I love, because it's just about her descent into madness, essentially. And it and. Is-
2: no it is and and the one thing that um that drives me really crazy that i didn't like and it always drives me crazy when this happens in movies and you kind of alluded to it before um and it's tough you know especially if it's a small segment and you have to hit all the beats as soon as you can and as um, as efficiently as you can because you're not setting it up with elaborate scenes before or after or embellishing other things when people go through their I don't want to say is it external monologue or inner monologue when uh, like she's sitting, she's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Miss Lansing, that's going to cost you whatever. That drives me crazy. I I think it's a very cheap ploy um, to get plot points out. I think it's takes me right out of the story because nobody does that. You know, anytime I watch any kind of movie, anything um, other than, you know, if, if you're, if, any typical slasher guy sitting at home, he's sitting on a couch and he hears a sound. He may jump up and be like, what the fuck is that? Okay, motherfucker. And he starts walking around or whatever. But when he's like, Oh, maybe he's up here. Maybe I'm going to turn the light on and see. They do that in a lot of movies and it drives me crazy. I can't stand when they do it. It's just, it's, it's a very poor way to convey plot points in my opinion. And that's almost what, Almost what takes me out of this episode. Now, I love this episode, the hitchhiker. I love it. Um I, I love that like it just it, it really stops. takes me out of
0: that.
2: you know, but I, that, that I is the only, inner- honestly the only weak part for me, the only weak part is that. And it unfortunately goes on throughout the entire thing, but I really don't know how else they would either they would just have her sitting there um not saying anything, which wouldn't be overly interesting. You know, at this way, it's it's at least painting a portrait of her um, unseen husband um, and and painting him as the character and, and and allowing us to understand more about him and about her home life and what she had to deal with and why probably her less than ideal situations drove her to be the way she is, obviously, with, with messing around with that other guy. But um, it just it, at the same time, I think it's necessary, but at the same time, I think it's very um uh, it's it, it it forces me to suspend disbelief much further than I I, I am generally in my comfort zone of doing that. <laughs> I just think right. it's very uh it, it's tough to get right. past the that. first
1: couple. The first couple times she's having those little internal or slash external monologues. You know, the first couple ones I found were interesting, but blank the third one right. and the fourth one then she's and the just fifth, got sixth, seventh, and eighth got, one got, is, is
2: she was getting kind of annoying. It was it was getting a little like okay, all right, we get it.
1: Like but like when it started getting good is when she really starts losing her mind because I mean like basically what happens the hitchhiker keeps coming back she keeps right. seeing the hitchhiker everywhere she turns she gets off in an exit he's he's there he's walking and he's right. getting more and more damaged right every time she hits him she right. just completely freaks out and <laughs> keeps running him over over and over again as he just wants – he just wanted a ride as he keeps saying thanks for the ride lady. Right. I tell you that if, this, if there's any movie that ever solidified the fact that I would never pick up a hitchhiker, this was it.
2: <laughs> right. Tell
1: me about it. Like, that thanks the hitch for or... the ride, lady. Like, no, no. It's like, no yeah, thanks.
2: That, uh, yeah,
1: the hitcher, probably number one. But, yeah. But yeah, this one definitely a close number. Definitely. two. Definitely. I, I do love her internal line where she's like, she's trying to talk to herself and she's like, you can deal with it. It was an accident, a legitimate accident. And then as she sees him, the first time after hitting him, she has the first vision of, of his, you know, presence or apparition. She's like, you're right. seeing things, bitch. You can't deal with it. Right.
2: And and, really- and see all all that works for me. That that make you know, I don't have a problem with every every little line like that. I mean, that makes sense and yeah. that makes logical I think someone logically would be like, okay, okay, okay. You're good. You're good. You're good. Oh, just calm down. You're okay. You know, it, whatever. That's fine. But when she kept quoting her husband or being like this and that, that was getting to be too much. Every, every line was like, that. it was getting smarmy. It was getting kind of grating to me. I was like, okay, you can move on from She's that. Repetitious, too. It just was just being off putting to the, got to the point where it was, it was getting off putting.
1: The one thing that they kept repeating that I didn't mind at all was the the hitchhiker who we never get a name for him he is just the hitchhiker (laughs) Um, but he just keeps saying over and over again thanks for the ride lady and that was great that that was the that That was
2: the whole thing about it that was wonderful yeah
1: but the effects in this are extremely good Uh, very bloody very bloody very (laughs) gory This like almost like herschel gordon lewis level of gore here Yeah. yeah And she just keeps running him over. She runs him over. She gets a gun out of her uh, glove box. She shoots him. She pins him up against a tree. She she smashes him. She beats him up. She does everything. She turns him into a pulp to the point where she hammers him against a tree at the very end, like, and just hammers him and hammers him until she bonks her head off the steering wheel. Yeah. And then even then has a one-liner. She still oh, has her life, She misses line Mrs. Lansing. Right, exactly. <laughs> It just got to be, yeah, it did get to be a little old, but it was fun watching her descent into madness or pretty much a a rapid descent into madness. Yeah. But the ironic part is she does get away for a moment. She thinks, you know, that she just hit her head. She drives back to the house. The car is like, you know, headlight is dangling. Tailpipe is dragging. All the windows are smashed, doors hanging off the hinge. She gets back to the house and her husband's not home. She pulls into the the you know the garage, but who's waiting there for her? the bare remnants, which is basically just a skeleton with some meat <laughs> hanging off it that can still <laughs> talk? Thanks for the ride, lady. It's so fucking creepy. I yeah. definitely remember this giving me a couple of nightmares when I was a kid.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think the main reason it did for me is because it got to the point where, like you were saying, it was such a bloody pulp of a of a face that it was like like the tongue and the eyes weren't even connected at this point anymore. It was just like everything was just a big mess. And and that definitely stuck stuck in my head because that, that was at that time, that was probably one of the more mainstream gorier things I've seen. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Um, Yeah. So it was it definitely resonated with me. Oh, still that, I mean, it looks same really good. The effects are great in that. They're really good.
1: Yeah, and I'd be willing to bet you're right that like with Savini's involvement with the project, he definitely had his little his little finger dipped into that effects. Oh, pool. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But the funniest part or the most ironic part of this is the car, that her husband shows up two minutes later to her car running in, in the uh, garage, which everything is filled with, you know exhaust fumes and whatnot so it kind of looks like she's just asphyxiated you know from you know the exhaust fumes but hanging around her neck is the sign from the the uh (laughs) hitchhiker that just says dover but the husband was ironically the car that was pulling up behind her on the highway after the hitchhiker which you know some people i know like i've had discussions (laughs) with about this movie don't put those two and two together. Right. I'm like, I, I don't know how they don't because right. it's so obvious that it's the same guy. But right. so least what was he doing? Was yeah. he, did he have a side piece? You know, that little something, little something, some on the side that he was right,
2: exactly getting?
1: because like she was saying, this is the man who is never late. He was later than her. He was behind her, her on the highway. So yeah. a little ironic. It kind of makes you wonder just what was going on there. Exactly. It was just kind of one of those, you know, the, if they'd have, I don't know, that, again, it that would have been neat. Like you said, uh, you know, all these had the potential of being uh, a feature of, in and of themselves. There's right. definitely a bigger story there.
2: Well, there was actually a um I I don't remember what, I want to say maybe about 10 years ago, but there was a movie called Hit and Run. I don't know if you saw it, but I think it was Kevin Corrigan was in it. And basically some lady hit this guy. I don't remember. I think he may have been hitchhiking or something. I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly what. What it was, but um, and she knew she did, and she didn't care. And she drove home, and he was like stuck to the grill of her car or whatever. And somehow he disappeared, and he started tormenting her. And he was gay. She couldn't tell if it was in her mind, if it was in reality. Very cool movie. And that's almost, in my opinion, right when I saw that, I'm like, this seems like a fleshed out version, albeit a little different, but a fleshed out version of that segment from show too, the, the Hitchhiker.
1: Yeah, they
2: might have been, uh, you know, uh, inspired. I mean, every, every idea comes from somewhere, so it's very possible that they were fans of that and made their own, or who knows. Now,
1: have you ever seen, uh, I don't know if this is the same movie you're talking about, but uh, I saw a movie once that was almost the exact same thing uh, that was directed by
2: Stuart Gordon called Stuck. That yeah. was about it. I heard about that. I, I I I was almost wondering since when I saw the hit and run thing, I was wondering if it was the same movie. Um, you know, a lot of times the movies don't get a huge release. They're re-released with a different name. It may be the same movie. I don't know. I never saw Stuck, but I heard about it. And right away I was wondering, I'm like, that sounds like that movie. But I never pursued. I never looked into it any further. So. It's possible it's the same movie. I don't know. Yeah,
1: it might, it might be. I was just, I yeah. d- just made that connection there myself, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she drives home and she's got a guy like literally hanging out of her windshield that she hit Yeah. after she yeah. was like, you know, drugging it up and partying it up and drinking and partying, yes. leaves him hanging out the, the windshield in, in, in her garage instead of like, you know, taking them to a hospital or doing something for him. Is this, yeah, it's kind of a, a more expanded version of this. Yeah exactly but then th- that's our last uh, chapter of the the anthology we get a, one more segment with the creeper where he's you know you know where he says it's time for this boogeyman to boogie but he's got one little last story for us is the last part of billy's chapter he leads the you know the bullies i guess you could call them or i call them the the, the south park gang
2: you the know into
1: little yeah, because it just this remind me one guy kind of looked like you know Stan yeah, I get with you. glasses, Yeah, but they definitely look like that. Uh but he leads them, you know, to a little little area, little cul-de-sac, you know, in, in the woods. And uh, you know, I I I I don't even know how to describe this. <laughs> it's a total mind I would have loved to see this done not in animation but into like a real practical effect because this would have been just so awesome to see, but imagine. Yeah. They did not have the budget to do this, but the, uh, the bullies are about to pound Billy's face, but the Venus fly trap has now manifested in the flesh and is now put 80, hundred foot tall, like Godzilla height takes out the couple of, uh, you know, bullies. And then the main bully, you know, he, he just chomps them, chomps them up, eats all three of them. And like Billy says at the end, Venus flytrap. they like to eat meat, <laughs> And I love it. it. And it's just the perfect way to, to kind of end it. We do get a little bit more right. of uh, Tom Sabini. Yeah. I yep. see he's kind of it fades back to kind of more of a reality and this, you know, live action and not animated and whatnot. And he's just watching. He's hanging out the back of the the back of the, the cargo truck. And he's just as it starts driving away. I want to know who is driving. That's what I want to know. What was <laughs> did the creeper have a limousine driver? But uh, he's you know, just driving away as he's just cackling and tossing out copies of the creep show comic, just tossing them out as, as during the whole credit sequence as the truck is just driving down the road out, out into the distance. So you can't see yep. it. anymore. And that's the end of our movie. And God damn, what a movie it is.
2: It was a really mean, great movie. Great.
1: Yeah, I, I was glad you picked this one uh, because I've had I had four different people who wanted to do creep show. And I was just like, somebody's already chose it. Everybody that I went to, they like, they were like, I want to do Night of the Living Dead. And I, when I told them that was already chosen. And they're like, Well, I want to do Creep Show. I'm like, that's already been chosen. So <laughs> I was glad I was glad you chose uh show too, because yeah, you know, it, it gets kind of lost, not so much lost in the shuffle, but you know, as much as I love Creep Show, I feel like part two deserves its day in court. You know, it it, des- it deserves some accolades, you know. But it just doesn't get me- mentioned as much,
2: you well, know. You
1: know, mean, you know it
2: gets shown as much love. Yeah, well, you know, my whole my whole thing is I'm I'm the sequel guy. Like, no matter what, I am, and I think most sequels um, automatically get shit on because they have a number after the title, um, and that's sad because you know they get to the point where they start. Film companies realize this, and they, especially modern ones, and they start dropping. The numbers or they don't even do that like every every time a sequel comes out now there's always just a subtitle you know there's never like a whatever two or whatever three or they get up to like six or seven and then they just drop that and then they just have another title um and it's sad that a number and and i guess deservedly so because a lot of sequels people just associate sequels with diminishing quality they do um, that's not really, that's not really, really the case, see. though. Right, but that's not generally the case. Generally, the case is that they, um, the first one usually is whatever budget. Then usually a second one, if it's greenlit, it gets a bigger budget. And then usually after that, the the budgets start waning, and then the obviously the production values may dr- dip a little bit or whatever. That doesn't mean it's an inferior film at all. And and uh, a lot of times it's just. You know, I've gotten into discussions and angry over people when they talk about Saw movies. And, you know, that's one of my favorite series that I'll defend till the end of time. And people like, they should stop there for Saw 2 or 3. They're all stupid and terrible. And I'm like, well, how many did you see? I didn't see any more than three. I didn't need to. Well, then how are you speaking out of turn like that? You know, I don't like when people do that. And the same thing like Creepshow, everyone... Ad- admittedly, Creepshow is this uh, huge classic. It's an unmitigated classic. No one ever denies it. It's a huge cult classic. That has cult written all over it. That had cult written all over it when it was made. But that doesn't mean that sequels can't come out. At least Creepshow 2. I, I understand people don't like Creepshow 3 at all. I don't even consider it canon or a sequel or whatever. That's fine. But well, I mean, I consider,
1: 3, it a, I consider it a sequel. I mean, it's a genuine sequel. It's just right. to me, highly inferior.
2: Oh, yeah, and, and I'm yeah. not saying that it's not, but I, I, I actually liked it, but I, it's nowhere near as good as the first two. Of course not. But to automatically I feel, like, think, I,
1: I feel like I need to, if you love it so much, I feel like I should give it a second chance, and maybe I will one of day these days.
2: You may like it. It's pretty wild and bloody, and f- it's funny. I, I enjoyed it. But, you know, the thing with Creepshow 2, if you if you crack open any, and as good as much, as good as we like Creepshow 2, go read some reviews on it, especially in books. Not necessarily online where people have you know, rejuvenated their love of a lot of these old films, but you look a lot of these old video guides or a lot of these old newspaper reviews or stuff like that. And you can find them online. You can find excerpts or whatever. It always starts off with stuff like, well, nowhere nearly as good as the original or this inferior sequel. Automatically they're just, they're, they're setting their, their goal low. They're setting their sights low. They're setting their expectations low. And I don't think it's fair. And that's why I, I chose when it specifically, I didn't even think of Creepshow. I said, let's do Creepshow 2 because it's a sequel and it deserves a chance. Yeah, it definitely does.
1: And, and, and I think you're right. You know, people tend to, to put it quite uh, bluntly, shit on sequels. Always. You know, I'm, and, I'm actually,
2: it actually annoys me. Like nothing really annoys me. I'm, I'm, I'm very easygoing and laid back. You know that. <laughs> but, you're right. When people crap on sequels, it drives me absolutely crazy. I do not know why that's a pet peeve I have. I do not know why it drives drives me crazy so much. And then I get a lot of shit because people are like, oh, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know what? I make much more sense than people that would just be quick to dismiss it based on the fact that it's not the original. Good, it's not the original. That's fine. It's not the original. Move on. Right. You
1: know, nobody uh, faulted uh, Ian Fleming for writing a couple dozen James Bonds books. <laughs> <Exactly>. You know,
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: But yeah, yeah. It, it, like I said, uh, that the hate for sequels, I don't understand. I no. personally love sequels. I'm a guy who doesn't
2: like remakes, but you know, even you know, I, know I like and that, I, I like remakes as well. But I understand people's apprehension well, to that. I, I I generally I should say I generally don't like right. them. But
1: there have right. been a, a cool or remakes or what do you want to call it reboots that are good, but still like I take every movie with a grain of salt. Like, you know, right. I usually save judgment until I see it. You know, right. at exactly. least until I see a trailer, you know, like a, like I may think a movie is a bad idea, but I'll wait until I see it or see some footage or at least a, a teaser trailer or something before I start shitting on it exactly but,
2: that's it that's all i yeah. ask people to do
1: yeah like when i first heard that there was a creep show three i was just like huh my first thought wasn't like oh like well the, fuck that movie because you know it's been so long they don't need to be making a sequel my first thought was how did this come under the radar and why didn't i hear about it right but you know it is what it is but we're not reviewing right. creep show three we're reviewing yeah creep exactly 3. <laughs> <laughs> well let's go ahead and get into our our Final uh, quick thoughts and uh, review this bad boy on a scale from one to 10. If uh, you like to go first,
2: um, out of one to 10, I would probably give Creepshow to a solid nine. Um, I, I don't think, uh, I do think it's superior to the original. I don't think by much. I think the original I would probably put somewhere around eight, um, basically for the unevenness that I spoke to. Uh, to you about and also for the fact that the raft was such a strong unfor- unforgiving segment and so mean-spirited that it elevated that film as well I think it was a, a good jolt that that kind of tongue-in-cheek franchise needed and it was it was refreshing to see something that was just so serious and mean-spirited and I, I think Creepshow 2 is just a vastly superior film not vastly super, superior film
1: um, I, I agree with one thing you said and, and disagree with another. Um, I'm coming in at exactly the same. Uh, I'll even screenshot uh, my, my handwritten notes or I, I wrote down nine out of 10. <laughs> I'm coming in at exactly the same. It's a, I wouldn't say a superior sequel because I do love Creep Show One just a bit more. I can cons- uh, sorry, I consider Creep Show One uh, a perfect 10. For me, it's it's you know, there's no such thing as a perfect film, but it's a ten for me. But right. Creepshow too, it, it's it's just you know just underneath just underneath that surface, you know, it's a nine out of ten. It it's got great stories, superior special effects. I mean, for the time in 1987, when you know yeah, movies sure. were getting cut up to hell and having effects cut yeah. out of them left and right, this movie made it through. I I, I don't know what got cut out of it. But it feels right. like it got got through it pretty unscathed because I right. mean, the effects are great. The acting is all solid, pretty much across the board. We got great villains, good you know, great heroes. Well, if you can have a hero in one of these stories, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just a good antagonist and protagonist, and you know, we got everything that that made '80s horror great. You know, you got some Stephen King, you got some George Romero, you got Tom Savini. And, you know, great effects. I I just really can't ask for anything more in an anthology film. I really think I feel like, you know, other than a few of the other little nitpicks that we've had had Mm -hmm. with it, my biggest problem is that there weren't more stories. But at the same time, that's something that works. You know, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If they would have had more stories, they would have had to shorten them up because nobody wants it. They
2: they would not have made this a three hour movie. What they would have done is made every segment shorter and they would have compromised a little bit of the. The vision or the integrity of them uh, by doing that and i think the way that these segments stand alone i i i don't see where they could be edited at all i don't think where they i don't see anything that needed to be changed with any of them so yeah i, I would prefer the way it is knowing that it would not have been a three-hour movie but that these would have all been cut i i'm very happy with with their decision to just go with the three
1: yeah yeah me too me too so that being said again your favorite segment is uh
2: the the raft right I would say the I would say the raft slightly um over the uh the hitchhiker one
1: Yeah see mine mine's the hitchhiker that's that's the one that gave me chills and still affects me to this day you know <laughs> I, if I hear that that voice saying thanks for the ride i'm yeah. out i'm out man Well this has been a great show i've had a lot of fun reviewing this one with you uh you know it's yes. just a You know, when people talk about Creepshow now, they either talk about part one or they talk about the new series on Shudder. Now, that being said, I love the new series on Shudder. The animated special they put out a couple of weeks ago was really great, you know. But there needs to be a little bit more love for Creepshow, too, is all I'm saying. And, folks, if you haven't seen it, please go out. Don't even rent it. Don't watch it, DOD. Buy a copy of it. Buy it.
2: Blind buy it. Worth a blind buy for sure. definitely. Definitely
1: we all righty. Well, I've enjoyed this, Scott. It's been fun getting to do another one of these with you. It's been
2: too long. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much. We'll anytime have have I, you obviously uh, you can tell I'll just talk movies all night long. So anytime, man.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, like I said, we're we're doing a, this one's a little bit uh, top secret right now, but what we talked about earlier that we're doing another mm-hmm. appreciation month coming up. We'll have you come in for that uh, that special episode we're gonna do there. So we'll
2: bring That's you right. back next month for it. Definitely, man.
1: Well, thank you once again, folks, for listening to our silly little show and listen to us just talking and bullshitting and waxing philosophical about these old horror movies
2: that we love so much. I uh, appreciate your patronage and keep listening.